Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. It's Friday, y'all. Friday. That means we are less than a week to the kickoff of the NFL season as it starts next week with the Chiefs and the Texans. Patrick Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson. I'm Chris Carter, your host. Join my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, it's great to be talking to you, my friend. Hey, what's going on, Chris? Now, I understand you had you talked to a much more important person in this world just yesterday. You spoke with the Art Rooney, the second team president and owner, and you wrote a really compelling story. He talked about Ben Roethlisberger. He talked about the salary cap. Dale, give us your biggest takeaways that you got from sitting down with the man. Well, you know, I think that uh, one of the biggest things was that, as I said, an insider, our our Friday insider today, is that, you know, the longer the, the NFL goes without fans in the seats, uh, for some of these games, and right now, is, according to my uh, what I've been able to do in research, there are only six teams that are going to have fans in the seats or planning on have, having fans in the seats wow. in the month of September. Uh, the longer this goes, the the more likely it is that salary cap uh, for 2021 is going to be in that uh, that $175 million range, and that's not good for anybody. You're right, it's not. Um, and uh, I'm sure Rui was talking about the complications of that because the team has a lot of decisions to make next year. Um, you know, right now, I mean, they're going down to the wire when it comes to starting this, to the start of the season and, and, and signing anyone to an extension. And, of course, that's uh, the elephant in the room there is Cam Hayward. Uh, but, you know, do you get a sense that they're still going to try to put a plan together that's going to include Cam Hayward or, or do, do everything they can to keep certain guys? Yeah, I mean, it may not have. It's not going to happen before the season starts. I'd right. be very highly unlikely because they just don't know what this is all going to look like. Um, you know, they could be told uh, three weeks from now that hey, we're going to, you know, the state's going to allow them to have fans in the seats. Uh, you know, starting in October, they could be told, hey, they're not going to have any fans in the seats all year long, and that affects the bottom line. It's going to affect the, the total revenue across the league, and so nobody knows right now. I think. You know, anybody who is, is, is saying that they know this is going to happen or that's going to happen uh, are guessing right now in terms of whether or not there will be fans in stadiums at any, any given time this, this season. And I, I think the other thing that, that you have to be concerned about, um, you know, if they play less than 16 games, that affects the bottom line as well. Um, you know, I think obviously the plan is to, to play 16 and they plan to get everything in. Uh, but if for some reason that weren't to happen, uh, that would certainly have a negative effect on the salary cap in 2021. Definitely, Dale. I, I think that that's a that's a tough situation for everyone to predict. And, and I mean, that's why I think it was just very smart of the Steelers not to pull any triggers right now because you never know. I mean, if 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 something had happened and then attendance would have happened and they would have committed to a plan that would have shortened, you know, would have sold them short, uh, you know, and they would have ha- ended up having the money then, you know, they, the Steelers, they're just not a team that doesn't make a decision without a firm foundation of knowing, okay, this is what we expect to happen, we, you know, we, or what money we expect to be available. Uh, I'm, I'm right with you on, on, on that. I think that, that's, uh, that that's, that's just a really tough predicament for them to be in, especially considering, you know, you and I both talked about a lot last year that with the knowledge that the owners were going to get the extra playoff games and the extra regular season games in, this was supposed to be a time of, supreme expansion of the salary cap yeah it was supposed to be and you know i'm sure uh because of this whole thing the you know the, the owners will push 
next year for uh, that 17th game again. Maybe they'll get the, uh, the players to get on board with that. Um, obviously, the fact that they haven't had a preseason this year, um, you know, some people like this, others do not. Rooney, <laughs> he told us, you know, maybe this will help people appreciate what they have in the preseason. I think you need to have some kind of preseason games. Um, we're going to see guys get cut loose this weekend uh, because of this whole situation that really didn't get much of a chance in terms of being able to show what they can do in a stadium. So uh, I, I think, you know, overall, um, you know, the, the team um, feels like it has a pretty good handle on those kind of things, but you would have liked to have seen those in some preseason games for sure. And I, I think, you know, as, as a journalist, as, as somebody who likes watching football games, I would have appreciated some, some preseason games this year to have something different to write about. But we're not going to see that this year. It's, it's just uh, – it's been a weird year all around. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, nothing seems normal. Everything seems ridiculous. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, finding, and finding that normalcy is just – it's been very difficult for, for anyone. I mean, and, and you've seen it. I mean, you know, that normally this, this time last year, you and I were, had seen several practices together. We've been able to talk about things. We've been able to see, okay, this is what this player is. You've seen some of those things in practice. But, again, it's from a different distance. You know, you get your, you're not on the sidelines at St. Vincent's, you know, being able to, to check things out and, like, you know, follow around certain guys and, you know, stand in certain parts of the field and then get those, you know, try to catch a guy running off the field. Everything's a Zoom availability. Everything is it's scheduled and you got to wait for certain people to talk. Um, you know, and that's just the journalistic side. I'm sure, I'm sure on the training side, there's stuff that, that, that they missed that they used to be able to do. That's, that was part of their preparation and, 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 you know, and just getting their mind right and their body right to get ready to play what's, you know, a very physical game. Yeah, and even, uh, you know, taking it further, some of the, the, uh, the people who work for the team who are accustomed to being at training camp or having other jobs that, uh, you know, they would be out on the road at this point. Uh, for, you know, for example, the scouts uh, would have been out scouting preseason games, looking to see, uh, you know, who looks good in, you know, Vikings camp, uh, you know, those kind of things. That, so it's, it's, it's different all around. Um, you know, hopefully at some point, uh, you know, the league is able to get fans into the stadiums, even if it's, you know, uh, less than, than uh, ideal circumstances or, or fewer than, than you'd like. But, uh, um, you know, for the long-term health of the league, they need to get people in those seats. And as, as, uh, as, as Art Rooney II said today, uh, that's kind of why we're here, uh, to entertain people. And if they're not in the stands being entertained, um, what are you doing it for? Uh, I guess for the television ratings and all those things. But, uh, you know, football is a game that started with people watching in the stands. No, you're right. And, and uh, I mean, how many, time, how many moments are made even more special because of the fans and just you remember the roar of them like you know and you've been there for so many of them you know I've heard people talk about the loudest that they've ever heard a Steelers stadium you know I've heard some people say it was it was when Jim Harbaugh's pass hit the ground in the AFC championship game at Three River Stadium I heard some people say it was the Troy Polamalu pick six against the Ravens in 2008 what's what's the biggest moment that you remember a Steelers a Steelers stadium a Steelers fan group uh, you know, just a, just a moment where the where the fans completely took over and created the the most wild environment that you remember. Yeah, I think uh, you know the, the the playoff game in in '08 against the Ravens was was uh, certainly one that uh, you know you a lot of those games against the Ravens you can 
you know, remember the stadium moving uh, as you're sitting there watching <laughs> everything. I was actually on the field for the Hunterbaugh um, near, near touchdown. And that actually was a different, um, it, it wasn't such a noise factor. It was just a, uh, there was about three seconds where everything, everything just went silent until, <laughs> until the officials made the call. So it was, yeah, different, uh, different things that you see there over the years. Obviously they won't, uh, they, we won't have that kind of situation this year. It's unfortunate, but uh, it's something we got to do. But at least we will be getting some football. We're gonna come. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we got more great stuff to talk about on the steel. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Join my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Now, Dale, you wrote a story on Art Rooney. I wrote a story yesterday on Marquise Pouncey, and he talked that morning. And, it's, and, and not that this was the bulk of my story, but he did talk about the CBA situation. Um, and I figured we could use this as a transition into talking about more things that he said. But one thing that he said is he felt like the NFL – um, and, and I wanted to get your reaction to this because I have my own. I kept it out of the article, but um, but uh, he 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 started talking about how the NFL, you know, they have money, and he felt like the the players should have held out longer because he said like you know that they they could have gotten more and that they had more more power than they thought, and uh, that that even without fans in the stands, he's like you know that TV that the TV revenue money is going to be coming in for the team. And, and for all the teams, and he said, you know, teams were still able to sign guys to multi-million dollar deals. He was thinking that he, would, he, he made it seem like the owners had more to handle in that situation and, and that the salary cap wouldn't have been as crushed. But, of course, Marquise Pouncey's a player. He's an experienced player, 10 years in the league, but he's not an owner. He's not a guy that sits back and studies the books regularly. Yeah, I mean, Marquise has been out, you know, he's, he's been outspoken against this from the get-go. Look, he's made his money, uh, so it's easy for Marquise to say, "Well, we should have held out for this or held out for that." Um, you know, the the fact of the matter is, is that the majority of players in those locker rooms are guys who are going year to year, trying to to eke out, a, a, you know, a living doing this, and you know, they're going to have, uh, you know, maybe two years in the league, maybe three years in the league, and they're not going to make millions of dollars. The the, the people that sit out this, well, all these millionaire athletes, look. There are only about six or seven guys on each team who are "quote unquote" millionaire athletes. The rest of them are just trying to eke out, you know, some kind of uh, three or four year career in the NFL. Uh, maybe they'll make a million dollars over that that you know three or four years, uh, but you're not you're not a millionaire, um, you know, by any stretch because you you know half Uncle Sam gets half of that, the agent gets a chunk of it, 
Uh, you got to pay for, you know, training in the off season, those kind of things. Um, you're set up nicely for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, hopefully if you, if you take care of your money, but you're not a million, you're not, you're not, you know, you don't, have, it's not like you don't have to not work for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. You mean, you're still going to need to find a second career. And that's something that a lot of people talk about. You're what 25. You know, <laughs> right, exactly. Because a lot, again, a lot of these guys, they're not retiring like Ben Roethlisberger at 38 after making a hundred million dollars. They're retiring after making maybe a million, maybe two million, uh, maybe several hundred thousand. Um, you know, in the middle of their 20s, and then and then also you have to consider they may need to go back to school to get whatever degree they need to get, and that's more money they got they got they got to pay for. So um, I think it's a very good observation on your part. I also felt like, you know, Mar- I mean, Marquis, like you said, he, he ha- he's passionate about what he believes and, and he, he thinks those things. Um, but you're right, is that, you know, they're the st- when you're talking about the stars, they're set up. The problem was there's a lot of guys out there that need, that need protection and need to make their impression now because they work their entire lives to get to the NFL. They work their entire lives to be one of the best of the best. You got to be the 1% of the 1% to, to even get a shot at the NFL. And if, if, if you're telling me after working my entire life to be that good, that I have that, that to take a year off, I, it, I would admit that would be a hard decision for me to make because I couldn't, you know, that I'd be, I might be throwing away my only chance that I've worked my entire life here to get at making the money that sets me up for the rest of my life so I can make better decisions and have make, make stronger investments. But also Dale, Marquise talked about what it's like, and I asked him this question specifically, uh, what it's like to be in, in this part of his career where he's played for an entire decade. When they drafted him in, in the first round of 2010, they were reshaping the offensive line. All the picks that came after him uh, helped build the offensive line, including the, the Castro, including Gilbert. Um, they filled in with other pieces here and there. But he said it was, it was interesting. It, you know, he's excited because he sees all the growth happening around him to take the Steelers into this next era because he really likes what Filer's putting together. He really likes what he's seeing out of Dotson as a rookie. That's got to be a cool thing to watch for a person to see the growth and then to, to see like, I'm still in this system and still playing. And he says he's motivated, motivated by those guys that are, they see and come around him and give energy to the team. Yeah. I mean, I think he realizes, you know, having seen Ramon Foster, you know, retire after last season that, uh, Look, this could this could end at any time for him. Uh, obviously, he's dealt with some major injuries in his career as well, and you know he 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 just saw Ben Roethlisberger, who he's close with as well, go through a situation where the season was taken away from him uh, at 37 years old and, and had to fight to come back. So I think he's in a in a in a good place in terms of um, you know kind of understanding what this league is all about, um, you know, and, and and how this whole thing works, and so. You know, I think he, you know, he sees now that, you know, we're in, in 2010, 2011, you know, he was the, the young guy chomping at the bit to get out there and prove himself. He's done that. Uh, now he's one of the elder statesmen here. And, and uh, you know, that has that carries with it a different uh, kind of role. It certainly does. And part of the role that he was looking forward to was the sense of normalcy. And we were talking about that a little bit in the last segment. And, and, and everyone, all of us, we want things to get back to normal. That would be nice. Um, but he talked about how part of what he's been looking forward to extremely was getting, you know, everything back to normal with a game schedule, but also the normalcy of playing with Ben Roethlisberger and, you know, you know, having a guy that he knows the expectations and he doesn't have to teach people and he doesn't have to teach him anything. You know, that's also got to be a comforting feeling. You know, Dale, that was part of your story that you wrote with Troy Polamalu was that 
you know, Troy didn't want to deal with having to break in new guys and show them the ropes and babysit them because they were, they were, they had such a higher, such a stronger learning curve that they were gonna have to overcome. And I think part of Marquise's uh, excitement to still be with the team and still keep playing is because he knows it's like, Hey, on my right is David DeCastro on my, on my rear. I've got, I've got Ben Roethlisberger and around me is an organization that not only take care of me, but we're going to be competing. And even if, even if I make a mistake, I know that there's guys to back us up. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, you know, the case. And, um, you know, nobody wants to be that last guy still standing. And that was, I think more of the case with Troy where, you know, a lot of the other guys had already retired. Now he was, you know, he was the own, only guy in that locker room who was, you know, one of the, one of the last few, uh, as they called themselves, two ring guys. Um, you know, Ben, of course, was still one. He's still here. But, you know, at that time it was, you know, Troy and it was James Harrison and, and Heath Miller. But they were going away. And, uh, you know, at this point in his career, uh, you know, Pouncey's, you know, as a 10-year vet, is, you know, one of the few guys who's been around for the last Super Bowl that they played in. Um, even though he didn't get to play in that game. So, you know, there's some things that he can teach. There's some things that he can do. But this team has a nice, good, young nucleus of players who are picking up, you know, where, where you know, some of these other guys left off. And so, uh, you know, the, the leadership isn't all on Marquise Pouncey. There are other guys there that can bring it as well. Last thing here on Marquise Pouncey. You know, he said he still feels like he's in a great place and that he's one of the best that he to do it and that he's going to keep doing it until he, someone proves him otherwise. Where do you see Marquise Pouncey at in his career? He's obviously not in his prime anymore, but he's definitely still a center that's a, that's a high grade for the Steelers and someone that they can rely upon. How good do you think he will be for this team? I know to me, David DeCastro is the A1, the best, the best offensive lineman of the group, but you still feel like Pouncey is a pivotal part of this offense and what he can do. Yeah, I think anytime your center, uh, you know, the center makes all the the, the defensive, call, you know, the, the line protection calls and things of that nature. So, you know, you got to be, you got to have somebody at center who's smart and, and can handle those kind of things. That's Pouncey. Uh, he's still very mobile, able to uh, to get out on the edge. Maybe not like he used to, but certainly uh, better than ninety percent of the guys who try to do that. It, you know, most of them don't even try to do it. Uh, so he's still still a, a very good center in this league. Absolutely, Dale. Thanks so much for, for, for this. It's been a great week podcasting with you. We'll be back on Monday to do more of that. But don't you go away, listeners, because I'm not done. Y'all got me started, and I'm going to do Don't Get Me Started right after this commercial break. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started about the fallacy, the lie, the utter disgrace that is boneless chicken wings. That's right. I'm doing it now. We're going to have some fun here. It's Friday, right? You know, you guys want to kick back and not be so serious. So here I am. But I'm kind of being serious because I'm mad. And I'm addressing one of my favorite foods. It's one of the best foods to eat on game day. Chicken wings. They're meant to be great. Whether they're fried. Whether they're wet. 
whether they're whether they're dry, whether they're a rub, chicken wings are glorious. I love chicken wings. My favorite wings in Pittsburgh are William Penn Taverns. I, I also dig hook hookfish and chicken sidelines. There's a whole bunch of great wing spots in Pittsburgh. Big Shot Bob's. There's a whole bunch of great wings out here in, in the in the great city of Pittsburgh. And I'm pretty sure if you're not if you're listening to this from someplace else that ain't Pittsburgh, you know a couple wing spots that you hit up. But there's always this thing called boneless wings. And a true American stood up and made the case for why we have to end the lie about calling those abominations boneless wings. And here he is. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning, treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the... I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for the man. His name is Andrew Christensen, and that is an amazing series of points, arguments, so well argued in front of a real city council. It was later revealed that his father sits on that very council. But Andrew Christensen at the Lincoln City Council reminds the world of a much-needed message. Do not pretend... That boneless chicken wings, as you call them, are actual chicken wings. They are just other parts of the chicken that you put into basically a nugget and threw some sauce on them and made the skin and the outside taste like wings. They're not actual wings. Now, I'm not too much of a snob because I'm cool with wing dings because they're labeled as such. You know, people that want to eat the whole wings... Now, there, there's some food snobs out there like, well, I only eat whole wings. Well, listen, man, not every place sells whole wings. I get it. But any place that sells what's called boneless wings, and as the man brings up, it should be called chicken tenders, they sell regular wings. 
So just call them chicken tenders with the sauce or wet nuggies, like he says. And he brings up a great point. You can call them trash because that's what they are. You're supposed to enjoy the drum or the flat or the whole wing. You're supposed to fight with the bone, work around it. It's what makes it natural. There's too many problems in this world that we that, that divide us. But one thing that we need to come together about right now, sports fans, food enthusiasts, people with a conscience, we can all agree that this man was right and get behind his example and push to the end of the atrocity that is boneless chicken wings. It's ridiculous. I see them all the time. When someone orders them, I don't, hey, hey if, and if you like them, by all means, like them. But stop lying to us. Stop lying to me, and most important, stop lying to yourself. You know you're doing yourself a disservice with this nonsense. And on game day, actually eat the wings. Because that's one thing that I do have a problem with. Now, I understand some people, they don't like to work, to work with the bones. They don't like the, the, the mess afterwards. Guess what? That's part of the fun. When you're cleaning a bone off really nice and good. And don't leave me a whole bunch of meat on the bones. It's disrespectful to the chicken. Because if you're eating really good wings, you ain't messing that up. But y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers podcast. I hope you had fun with me on that one. I was dying listening to that man talk. Um, he did a great job again. Andrew Christensen, you can look up that whole thing on YouTube and listen to his dad kind of like be like, wow, that's my son and I'm so proud. Uh, <laughs> um, you can look at the whole thing on YouTube. It's on Twitter. It's uh, it's sweet. It's become a viral video. So uh, check that out. But I thought we'd have a good fun episode. Let me know how you're liking the show, the talks between me and Dale that don't get me started. Hit me up on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Also, if you want to really help out the show, go on Apple, leave us a five-star review and a positive com- comment. Those things really help the show out and get us, get us more recognition as more people come to the show. And also, share us with a friend. Go to somebody that you know that's like, hey, this this show's cool. It's ever it's daily. It's Monday through Friday. It's got the older guys' insight and Dale, the millennials' insight and Carter. And I am technically a millennial. No, not technically. There's no technically. I am a millennial. I was born in '89. But it, it it gives it gives the differing perspectives, and you gives the football analyst perspective as well as we get to we get to talk about something fun and rant about it in the final segment. Please share the show. We enjoy you so much. Thanks for listening this week. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week, and so will football. Can't wait.